The Senate will return Monday and stay in session through Thursday. The House is in recess this week and will not return until next Monday, January 29th. Now let's talk about the last two weeks in the House. The House returned from its Christmas holiday on Tuesday, January 9th, and took a quorum call. On Wednesday, January 10th, the House tried to pass a rule, but failed, because 13 Republicans, angered by the spending deal Speaker Johnson had come to with Senate Majority Leader Schumer and President Biden a few days earlier, chose to express their displeasure and their ability to make life difficult for Speaker Johnson, if they so choose, by voting to tank the rule. On Thursday, the House took up a motion to reconsider the rule that had been defeated the previous day, and this time, the defectors, having expressed their displeasure, voted with the rest of the party and the motion to reconsider passed. Then the rule passed. Then the House took up the underlying bill, H.R. 788, the Stop Settlement Slush Funds Act, and the bill passed on a straight party-line vote of 211 to 197. Then the House took up and passed S.J. Res. 39, providing for congressional disapproval of the rules submitted by the Federal Highway Administration relating to waiver of Buy America requirements for electric vehicle chargers. Then the House took up and passed a bill under suspension of the rules. On Friday, January 12, the House took up and passed H.J. Res. 98, providing for congressional disapproval of the rules submitted by the National Labor Relations Board relating to standard for determining joint employer status. Then, because of a light snowfall that hit Washington on Tuesday, January 16, they extended their Martin Luther King Jr. holiday break until Wednesday, January 17. So on Wednesday, they passed a rule, then passed a bill under suspension of the rules, and then passed a resolution denouncing Biden administration open border policies. On Thursday, January 18, the House passed two bills under suspension of the rules, including H.R. 2872, the continuing resolution, about which we will talk more in a moment. Then, recognizing that the annual March for Life was going to take place the following day, despite another snowstorm hitting Washington, the House passed H.R. 6918, the Supporting Pregnant and Parenting Women and Families Act, and H.R. 6914, the Pregnant Student Rights Act. And then they were done. Last two weeks in the Senate, the Senate returned on Monday, January 8, and voted to invoke cloture on the nomination of John A. Kazin to be U.S. District Judge for the Southern District of Texas. On Tuesday, January 9, the Senate voted to confirm him to that position. Then the Senate voted to invoke cloture on, and then to confirm, the nomination of S. Cato Cruz to be a U.S. District Judge for the District of Colorado. Then the Senate tried to override President Biden's veto of S.J. Res. 32, a Congressional Review Act resolution of disapproval. The veto override attempt failed. On Thursday, January 11, the Senate voted to invoke cloture on and then to confirm the nomination of Erica L. McCanterfer to be Commissioner of Labor Statistics. Then the Senate was done for the week. The Senate returned on Tuesday, January 16. Socialist Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont, who caucuses with the Democrats, wanted to punish Israel for its conduct of the war against Hamas. So he introduced S-504, a resolution requesting information on Israel's human rights practices pursuant to Section 502B-C of the Foreign Assistance Act of 1961. The Senate voted by 72-11 to table his resolution. Then the Senate took up H.R. 2872, the legislative vehicle for the continuing resolution, and by a vote of 68 to 13, agreed to a motion to proceed to the resolution.
On Thursday, Kentucky Republican Senator Rand Paul tried to limit foreign assistance to the Palestinian Authority. His amendment was rejected by a vote of 44 to 50. Then the Senate voted to pass H.R. 2872 as amended, that is, the continuing resolution, by a vote of 77 to 18. And then they were done. This week in the Senate, the Senate will return today with the first vote set for 5.30 p.m. At that time, the Senate will proceed to a roll call vote to invoke cloture on the nomination of Christopher Coos to be a director of the Amtrak Board of Directors. Then, based on the Majority Leader's cloture filings, I anticipate we'll see votes on the nominations of Anthony Rosario Casia and Joe Matthew Zabat, also to be directors of the Amtrak Board of Directors. And both Senators Schumer and McConnell have indicated they would like to bring the emergency supplemental spending bill to the floor for a vote this week, if possible. We'll talk more about that in a moment. On the border crisis, on January 8th, Speaker Johnson's office released a document with 59 separate actions taken by the Biden administration that led directly to the border crisis. It's a comprehensive document, and you'll find it in this week's suggested reading. Now to the latest on the Mayorkas impeachment. Last Thursday, the House Homeland Security Committee held its second and final impeachment hearing against DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Chairman Mark Green, Republican of Tennessee, said afterward that he believed he had the votes on the committee to move a resolution of impeachment through the committee and to the floor of the House when the leadership decides it's time to move forward. Now to that emergency supplemental. It's been more than three months now, and we still don't have an agreement on President Biden's request for $110 billion in emergency supplemental spending for Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, and the border. The left wanted to increase the pressure on House Speaker Mike Johnson. So Biden issued an invitation for the four congressional leaders and senior Foreign Affairs and Defense Committee chairman all to come to the White House for a discussion last Wednesday. Speaker Johnson attended and stood firm. He said afterward that America's borders must be secured before any U.S. taxpayer money should go to defend our allies overseas. Majority Leader Schumer believes he can increase the pressure on Johnson by passing the measure through the Senate. He believes he'll get a strong bipartisan vote, and he might be right, because Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is pushing Republicans to, in his words, take the deal. McConnell is making the argument that because the Democrats really, really want the Ukraine funding, they are willing to trade border policy changes to get the Ukraine in order, and they're willing to do this uh, in order to be willing to trade. Oh my goodness. That just, mm. okay, we're going to start over there. Majority Leader Schumer believes he can increase the pressure on Johnson by passing the measure through the Senate. He believes he'll get a strong bipartisan vote, and he might be right, because Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is pushing Republicans to, in his words, take the deal. McConnell is making the argument that because the Democrats really want the Ukraine funding, they are willing to trade border policy changes to get the Ukraine aid that they would never be willing to trade in other circumstances. McConnell says that what's on the table now 
is a better deal than Republicans would ever get, even if Donald Trump were to be elected president in November and Republicans were to recapture the Senate and enlarge their majority in the House. Because immigration policy is something that cannot be done through the reconciliation process. And that means you need 60 votes to move it through the Senate. And that means the Democrats will have a say. McConnell says they'd never go for it a year from now. And the only reason they're even considering it now is because they're so desperate for the aid to Ukraine. So, he says, let's take advantage of that. Let's take the deal now. Because we can make changes we've been trying to make forever, but have never before had a chance. I doubt that argument is going to work on House Republicans. They are determined to enact the provisions of H.R. 2, the Secure the Border Act that passed the House last year, and they will take nothing less. So much so that political analysts tried to suggest there was a sign of progress when, in his press availability after meeting with President Biden at the White House, Speaker Johnson limited himself to saying he insisted on having the provisions of H.R. 2 enacted and not the entire law. Here's what I think is likely to happen. Early this week, the Senate will unveil the so-called bipartisan agreement that will pair border policy changes with $110 billion in aid for Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, and the border. It will be terrible, but Senate Republicans will crow about winning changes to border policy, and they will vote for it. Probably no more than 20 Republicans will vote against it. Then it will go to the House, and it will die because Speaker Johnson will not put the bill on the floor. He knows he would lose a majority of the House Republican conference on that floor vote, and he sees no reason why he should do that. In his mind, he was straight up with Biden, Schumer, and McConnell. He told them what he needed, and they didn't deliver. So it's their fault, not his. Stay tuned. Now to government funding. It's done. Congress passed, and the Senate, the President signed into law a bill that extends government funding at current levels, until March 1 or March 8, depending on whether you're talking about an agency that is regularly funded by the Transportation, Housing and Urban Development, Agriculture, Food and Drug Administration, Rural Development, Military Construction, Veterans Affairs, or Energy and Water Appropriations Bills, or not. Congress has now bought itself six weeks to figure out how to pass appropriations bills to reach the agreed-upon top-line numbers. Both houses maintained Speaker Johnson's so-called laddered approach to avoid one massive omnibus bill at the end of the process. He says he wants to take advantage of the time they just bought to move 12 individual appropriations bills through the process. Remember, the House has already passed seven of the 12 bills, but the Senate has only passed three. So if they're going to pass them, they're going to have to get moving in the Senate. I doubt that's going to happen. I think it's far more likely that we don't end up with one massive omnibus bill. We end up with two slightly smaller omnibus bills. Stay tuned. Now to the latest on the Biden family crime saga. The Biden crime family saga. (laughs) Hunter Biden, through his lawyer, in a bid to stave off past... Let's go back and change that. Now to the latest on the Biden crime family saga. Hunter Biden, through his lawyer, in a bid to stave off passage on the House floor of a resolution citing him for contempt of Congress, 
has agreed to sit for a closed-door deposition with staff and members of the House Oversight and House Judiciary Committees on February 28th. In addition to Hunter, the committees have scheduled depositions with former Biden business associates Rob Walker, Eric Schwerin, and Tony Bobulinski. Now to the latest on the 2024 elections. Last Monday, the 2024 Republican presidential nominating contest began with the Iowa caucuses. Former President Trump swept 98 of the state's 99 counties, taking more than 50% of the statewide vote. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis came in second place, barely beating out former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. Both of them came in 30 points behind Trump. The action moved to New Hampshire, which will hold its traditional first-in-the-nation primary election tomorrow. Governor DeSantis announced Sunday that he was dropping out and endorsing Trump, leaving Haley with the one-on-one -on -one contest she says she's been hoping for. I'm not nearly as convinced as she is that it's going to work out the way she thinks it is. In advance of the New Hampshire primary, the Tea Party Patriots Citizens Fund, the super PAC affiliated with Tea Party Patriots Action, endorsed President Trump for president. And now to the latest on The Jenny Beth Show. The episode 49 of The Jenny Beth Show dropped last Wednesday, featuring Jenny Beth's interview with Abe Hamada, the Republican candidate for attorney general in Arizona in 2022, whose election had major problems. Abe is a former U.S. Army intelligence officer and prosecutor, and his conversation with Jenny Beth about election integrity is highly recommended. And that's our Washington Report for this week.